Welcome to Citroen Cooperman's Taxes in 10 podcast. I would now like to introduce our tax practice leader, Joe Boublet. Okay, good day everyone, and welcome to Citroen Cooperman's Taxes in 10 podcast. My name is Joe Boublet. I'm a tax partner in the New York City office, as well as the firm's tax practice leader. And today, we're pleased to have as our guest, Pat Daly, who is also a tax partner in the New York City office and also head of the firm's high net worth individual practice. Pat, welcome. Thank you, Joe. Okay, glad to be here. Glad you could take time out of your busy schedule. So here we are at the end of the year. I figured we'd talk a little bit about some year-end tax planning and focusing on the few deductions that are left in the code after the tax law changes of a couple of years ago. So let's start off with the mortgage interest expense deduction. Always a classic deduction, always a reason why people are told to buy a home as opposed to renting. So why don't you take us through the change that were made to the mortgage interest deduction? Thanks, Joe. If the, as, as, as you mentioned, Joe, a lot of people in the past were told, buy a house and you get a lot of tax deductions, i.e. your mortgage interest deductions. But in the past, the mortgage deduction was uh, capped out at a million dollars of debt. Now what the IRS did is they knocked that million dollars to $750,000. So if, if I had a mortgage of $1.5 million, effectively I'm only deducting half of the interest that I'm paying because there's a limitation at, at that $750,000 uh, level. What a lot of clients are doing is they're, they're trying to devise strategies to get around that limit of, of $750,000. And one that's out there is we want to try to convert what's called acquisition debt, which is on your home, and try to convert that to investment interest expense. Investment interest expense deduction does not have any limits. The only limit is you have to have investment income and it can get carried over indefinitely. Now there's a strategy out there that's been looked at that's been um, a lot of the big brokerage houses are pushing it out as you go out and you buy your house for cash you wait 60 days why 60 days because based on some regulations that are out there it appears that a 60 day would be the most optimum time to wait um, to now get a new mortgage and have that those mortgage proceeds traced right back into an investment account now once you set up that investment account you don't want to buy tax-exempt securities in the, that account because then the interest will not be deductible okay thanks Pat that's great so just to clarify the 60 days has to do with the tracing rules tracing rules absolutely so if you wait 60 days there's no chance that the debt would be traced to the purchase of the home residence that's correct okay and then just to uh, clarify a couple other things uh, the limit is on new mortgages. Old mortgages were, gra were grandfathered. Right. New mortgages starting after 1118. Yeah. And the second home is still qualified. Correct. Which they talked about changing that. Correct. Okay, good. All right, so now we talked a little bit about the interest expense. Now, the other uh, <clears throat> deduction that was changed was the tax expense. Correct. Real estate taxes and state and local taxes limited to $10,000. You talk about this rule and some planning strategies and what the IRS has said about some of the workarounds that some of the states have tried. Right. Th this deduction is probably the one that got got the most press out there. Um, people's state and local taxes and their real estate taxes are now being capped at $10,000. So 
we have a, a lot we have a number of clients that are paying a lot in real estate taxes and most of those clients thought that they were losing that full deduction but in a lot of cases taxpayers were subject to AMT alternative minimum tax so they were in theory not getting any benefit for the, that state and local tax deduction or that real estate tax deduction so you know you'd have to compare uh, what, what what I've seen if a client was making over a, a certain dollar threshold, which was generally over a few million dollars, and they were not subject to the AMT, those taxpayers were losing out of those deductions. But a lot of those clients that were in the 500 to two, $2 million range, a lot of them were subject to the AMT, so they were not getting the full benefit of that, uh, of their real estate tax deduction, so they were not losing out as much. Now, you talked about what a lot of, a lot of the states uh, uh, in, the, in the Northeast were trying to do, they were trying to set up uh, charitable funds where if, if an individual donated to that charitable fund up to the amount of the real estate tax deduction, they would be entitled to an, a, 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 a deduction. The IRS came out with some rulings last year and said, you know what, we're knocking, that rule does not, that rule will not apply, you are getting a benefit by putting money into that fund, so you're not going to get a, a deduction on 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 your individuals uh, on your individuals on your individual return. A lot of states in the South had these rules in place, and the IRS basically came out and said we are not going to allow this on on an ongoing basis. So as of right now, the state and local deduction and the real estate de deduction is capped at 10 grand. Now there there is something uh, that's interesting, uh, Joe, that's out there for. New York City taxpayers that own co-ops. There's a position out there that that people have that people have taken that co-op taxes are not part of the $10,000 limitation, so you can deduct those co-op taxes in full. Now co-ops predominantly um, where you're getting a big tax deduction are in are in New York City areas. So if you have some clients that have co-ops and are paying a substantial amount in real estate taxes, you know, you should look at that position out there that may allow you to um, deduct those co-op taxes. We, we, we're still waiting for additional guidance on that area, but there's a position out there that, that could be challenged in the future, but there's a position that could be taken. And I know, Pat, that on that particular matter, it's actually in the technical corrections bill, correct, a fix to the legislation so it would capture the co-ops, but that bill hasn't been passed yet. It may never be passed. It may never so be passed. So certainly is a very reasonable position that because the law was drafted improperly from that res that respect that you can take those co-op taxes. And that improper drafting has happened with other, other areas of the new tax law that are detrimental to taxpayers. This is a favorable, uh, this is favorable treatment that may help taxpayers, like you said. Okay, good. So now the last item I want to talk about is charitable deductions. So talk about some of the changes there and with the increase in the standard deduction amount, what people are doing in terms of charitable deduction planning. Right. Basically, your charitable deductions are now limited to 60% of your AGI. But what, what we've seen a lot over the last, um, the last year and a half is Taxpayers coming and saying, well, you know what, maybe I want to set up a foundation or I want to set up a donor advised fund. 
donor advised funds is a, is a, is a, a term of art that's getting a, a lot of play over the last few years. Basically, a donor advised fund can be set up with, your, with, a, brokerage, with, your, with a brokerage house. You donate money into that fund, and then over the next few years, the, you can designate the fund uh, as to which charity you want the money to go to. But once the money leaves your pocket and goes into the fund, your charitable deduction is 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 measured. Um, a lot of people are going that way. It's it's very easy to set up. There's no administrative costs, um, no additional tax filings. Whereas if people set up a foundation, the charitable limit limits are a little differently. Um, it's a lot more from an administrative point of view. You have to set up the fund. You have to have another tax return. You have to probably get an attorney involved to draft some legal documents. So I always tell taxpayers, you know, a lot of taxpayers want to create a legacy for themselves. If they want to create a legacy for themselves, you know, we're earmarking them to go the foundation way. But if they just are putting away their uh, normal charitable giving on a year-by-year year basis, the donor-advised fund is a, is a viable uh, way to go. Okay, Pat, you just want to talk a little bit about bunching? Yes, yes. So that, that's a new term of art. With the with the the IRS came in and they increased the standard deduction to twenty four thousand dollars. Now, with the with the cap of the state and local taxes and and and, and people's um, mortgage interest and charity, a lot of taxpayers are not getting over that twenty four thousand dollar limitation. So instead of itemizing, they're taking the standard deduction. So what we've advised. Uh, clients to do is, you know, if I was charitable inclined and, and I was giving away $25,000 a year, hypothetically, each year, possibly what you do so you can get over that standard deduction limitation is year one, you, you make no charitable deduction, and in year two, you make a $50,000 deduction. So what you're doing is you're trying to bunch your deductions to try to get over the standard deduction limit of 24, which is for married filing joint taxpayers. And, and, and those are the three main, the, the charity is really the, the primary, primary deduction that you can bunch your deductions with. And by bunching, the goal is to try to accelerate your deductions in one year to get over that standard deduction limitation. Right. There aren't too many other deductions where you can pick and choose a year. That's right. For the most part. Correct. Okay, great. Thanks, Pat. I appreciate that. Well, that concludes this uh, installment of Citrin Cooperman's Taxes in 10 podcast. Please look out uh, for the next one. should be released in the next week or so. And uh, have a good day, everyone. Thank you. Thanks, Joe.